Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. confess my mind is alert and my heart is receptive I will never be the same I'm about to receive the incorruptible indestructible ever-living seed of the Word of God I will never be the same never 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 I will never be the same in Jesus name amen amen Thank you, Lord, for your word, Father, and as we continue to deal with the soul and the mind and our emotions, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to not just be those that understand your word, but receive it and are doers of your word, because that's where the blessing is, Father. So minister to us today. I put myself in your hands that I would be an instrument, Lord, uh, uh, that you would use me, Lord, to minister to your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So getting off the crazy train, we started last week uh, with uh, talking about the soul. We want to continue this week with get off the crazy train. So a little review um, as we continue. This is the second part of that. And then our third part is going to be uh, uh, next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness, the remedy, right? Because if, if there's an issue, if you have a a problem or if you have a, uh, a a sickness or something like that we want to know what the remedy is right and nowadays man you can get you know a remedy for most anything or at least something to comfort you a little bit but the remedy is always going to be the word I mean, the word teaches us to to forgive and to uh, let go and as we talked last week about uh, releasing and revealing we want to be able to do that. So next week, we're not only going to talk about how we need to forgive others, we're going to talk about how God forgave us. So it's important, since we're having the picnic and we're having baby dedication, that you would invite somebody, and as they come, they will be able to hear how God loves them and forgives them, and they'll heal the, they will hear the gospel in its purest form. So the threefold nature of man. We have the spirit the soul and the body. The spirit is the eternal part of man. That's how we communicate or we connect with God because God is spirit. Then that spirit has a soul, which is our personality, our mind, our intellect, right? Our soul. And then our body is our earth suit. It's the temple. It's where the spirit and the soul live together. So the spirit has a soul and it lives in a body. I, we, I like to call it our earth suit because once this earth suit is no longer any good, you can't stay here. You have to go somewhere, right? And, and if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know where you're going. And if you're not sure where you're going, we'll pray for you at the end. So hope that nothing happens between now and then. So 3 John, verse 1, uh, uh, this was our, our reference scriptures. Uh, 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. And if you've heard my prosperity messages, the word prosper just means to be pushed forward. Right? I pray that you may be pushed forward in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Third John chapter 1, verse 2, in the New International Version, it says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. 
even as your soul is getting along well. It seems to me like we always work on our flesh. Our flesh has its desires, and we have temptations that come with the flesh, and we got to put the flesh down, and then we got to be more spiritual, and we got to be spiritual because God is spiritual, and we just kind of go right over the soul, and we don't deal with the soul. And right now, just in our nation alone, there are more people dealing with the soul through medication than at any other time in history. Okay? So, and I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm saying, okay, there's an opportunity here for God to show himself faithful and to deal with our soul. But what do we have to do? We have to teach and we have to learn and we have to do what the word says and believe what the word says in order to heal our soul. Next week is going to be a major healing that's going to happen right here in our midst. Oh, come on. You going to agree with me? Right? So next week, there's going to be a major healing that's going to happen in our midst here because of the remedy of forgiveness. So today's message is getting off the crazy train. Uh, you know, I have this, this title, uh, and, I, and I don't want to offend anybody. We're not saying that you're crazy or that I'm crazy, but we've all been on, a, on this, this type of crazy train, right? And uh, I only called it that because we use the, the, the little saying that says train of thought. You ever heard of that? Your train of thought. Where is that thought taking you? Because your thoughts don't leave you where you're at. They always lead you somewhere. So you ever been on a train or a bus or a subway? You know, you get on the wrong on the wrong train, and then you realize, oh, I'm going to the wrong place. I got to get off of here and catch the other one, right? You know, uh, I've never been in New York City, but we've been in Washington D.C. And when you stand in front of that, you ever you ever been in Washington D.C. and and that map is like. Oh, my Lord, you got to be a genius to know there's a circle and there's all these, you know, trains and colors and all this stuff. And you got to read this whole paragraph to understand what the map means. And it's, it's pretty wild. So we just asked, started asking people, how do we get to Smithsonian and how do we get here? And we just catch the train, um, you know, to get where we're going. But if you catch the train and you're not headed to where you're going, what do you got to do? You got to get off the train and catch another train, right? That's how easy it is to get your soul on the right train. So if you're, if you're on this train right now where you're feeling depressed and you're feeling anxious and you're feeling uh, uh, unuseful and you're, and you're in a place where you feel like people don't love me, like Eeyore, you know, I always say, how many of you know Winnie the Pooh, right? Eeyore, nobody loves me, nobody cares, <laughs> right? Eeyore was always, you know, moping, his ears were down here and he was always walking around, always moping, nobody loves me, nobody cares. It was his birthday in one of the... the you know, the things that, and he, nobody loves me, nobody cares, but nobody said happy birthday to him because he was always such a bum, bummer to be around. But so our mind and our thoughts are the same way. It's like the train of thought that I spoke of. One thought leads to another and leads to another. Your destination is determined, determined by your train of thought. What train are you on? If you don't like where you're going, then you have to get off the train. Here's some examples. Don't get up and leave. WebMD. How many of you have ever used the WebMD? You can raise your hand. I've used it. You can, right? It all pretty much leads to cancer and death. If you research enough, you'll end up right there. That train takes you to the same stop every time. By the time you're done finding out why your elbow hurts, you're dying. Why am I not dead yet? According to WebMD, that's a crazy train. 
You get on there, how can they determine what's happening with you on a computer screen by just telling you some symptoms can be a thousand different things? So what they do is they just put the thousand different things all in one list. That way they hit, they get it right at least one time, right? When they tell you. How about reading into things when you're dating? How many of you remember dating? All right? Oh, boy. You guys remember dating? For you, it was like 50 years ago, no? She was like 12? 30. <laughs> 30 how long? That's right. You guys are the same as us. 32 years married. You still, oh, good answer, Pastor Curly. Good answer, Pastor Curly. We still date. We still, I don't know why his wife rolled her eyes, but yeah, it was a nice saying. It was, it was nice what he said. It was nice what he said. But they still, they, they do. I know they do because uh, uh, I know when they go out and stuff, and uh, they both like chicken wings, so uh, they go out to eat chicken wings together. And, uh, but, you know, when you date, and it, but at the beginning, now it's kind of, you know, expected. You guys are married, so it's different. But, oh, why didn't he hug me? Why didn't he kiss me? Why didn't he hold my hand? So uh, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Um, uh, I'm sure my wife's okay with this. It was a girl I dated just before her. Is that okay? Oh, if not, if not, it's going to be a very difficult afternoon for me. But uh, I got, but I got the card. Anyway, uh, where was I now? Oh. So I dated this girl, right? And I had dated some of the girls in church and all that, and I, I, that's not even a need to talk about that. But I wanted to do things right. I had made some mistakes prior to that, and I was like, you know, I want a Christian date. I want to do things right. So I never, I would pick her up to go to church. She would sit in my car. We would go to church. I, we sat next to each other in church. I never held her hand. I never attempted to kiss her. I never made a move. I never told her I liked her. I didn't, we were just friends, and that's how you're supposed to date at the beginning, just to get to know each other. Because if you move too fast and then you decide you don't like them, now you have a soul tie. Thank you, soul tie with the person, and now you're hurt. They're hurt, and then you're going to bring that into the next relationship, relationship right? Some of us need, are going to need to be here next week just because of what I'm saying right now. So, <laughs> but and the thing is, she was friends with my wife. She kept telling my wife, I can't believe he does it. He won't even hold my hand. He won't. And, you know, like, and she kept telling her that, and then I think you told her, finally told her that I was treating her with respect or something like, I don't know what it was. <laughs> then, you, then you got attracted. Then she became attracted to me, and that's, you know. No, wait. No. That's not true. Johnny, whose side are you on, bro? <laughs> anyway, I was trying to do the right thing. And what happened was she got on a crazy train and started saying he doesn't. And I, and I did like her as a friend. I didn't want anything more. And if, if it led to something else, then yeah, but it was, there was nothing there. How I many of you ever been with somebody that was just no spark, nothing there, right? And there was nothing there. So, But she took off with it. And she went home, and she told her parents, and her par and then her parents wanted me to marry her, and then it was a whole big ordeal. They went to the pastor of the church and said that I was, re you know, leading her along, and and I'm like, that's not what happened at all, and it was just a big deal. But anyway, all because of one little thought of, he doesn't, you know, instead of just saying, hey, if this doesn't go anywhere, that's okay, get off the crazy train. So reading into things in a dating relationship, why doesn't he hug me? Why doesn't he kiss me? Why, you know, at the end of the date, why doesn't he say this? Here's the big one. Social media is a pro at getting you on the crazy train. Yes. 
We were not created to bring satisfaction to thousands of people. We were not created to please everybody. Jesus, the Son of God, who healed people and loved people in the, in the best way that you can by giving his only life, people still criticized him, still hated him, still talked bad about him. If there was social media in the time, he would have been destroyed on Facebook and Instagram. He would, they would have taken videos and said, look at what this guy's doing. By the power of Beelzebub, by the power of the devil, look at what he's doing. And they criticized him, and he, he was here because he loved us, and he died for us. And then here we are, Jesus himself, son of God, could not satisfy everyone without social media, and here we are with thousands of friends, and we're trying to, right? Listen, all those pictures of them sitting there with their drinks on a beach somewhere and having a good old time and trying to show everybody, a lot of that's not true. We were not meant for that. We were meant to... To, to be in our inner circle and to, and to bring satisfaction and love and, and acceptance to our family members and to our spouses and to our kids, not to people all over the world that we don't even know. Yeah. And everyone has an opinion when they're sitting behind a, 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 you know, a computer or a keyboard. Even texting. I've had people text me things you know, as a pastor, not... Thank you so much for this because I know people love me, but not everybody loves me. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, not everybody loves me. And thank you, Mom. My mom loves me. <laughs> she's supposed to, right? But anyway, I could do anything, I could do all things wrong, and she still loves me. That's how moms are. Now I forgot. See, you got to quit doing that, Mom. Be quiet. <laughs> I know I was headed somewhere, had something really good too. So, social media, texting, thank you. So, they, I've had people text and say things about something that I said or did, and they are like nasty, like, like almost calling us names and all that by text, these long texts. And I'm like, uh, they're obviously upset. And you know, our first response to that is they're hurt. Let's try and fix this. And then we text back and says, you're obviously hurt. You're upset. Let's talk. Let's get together. Let's meet face to face. Let's at least talk on the phone. No. I'm like, and then, then now I go from loving them to being pretty upset. Yeah, you're pretty brave behind that little keypad. Huh? Come on, why don't you meet me? You know? That's not how that works. Right? <laughs> don't hop on that train. So social media is a pro at getting us on that crazy train. See, we cannot control all the circumstances in our life, but we can control our thoughts and how we react to these circumstances. Chuck Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. How you react to certain things. Sometimes a situation in your life can, should only affect you this much, but because of your reaction, it affects you this much. Sometimes we just need to walk away Right? Sometimes it's really not that important. Right. So um, Gus has been, and in, in, he's had help from others. Yeah, thank you. His, his one, he has one fan, one follower. <laughs> Don't get on that train, buddy. I love you. But uh, uh, 
he takes and makes these little short videos, like 30-second videos, and takes little portions out of my sermon, and he makes these little videos. Now, if you look on YouTube and you go to the New Life, uh, uh, New Life Bible Church of Orange City and you sign up, you'll see all of our, our videos there. And you know, sometimes you get 12, 13, uh, I say you, I should say me, right? Because that's the truth, and now I'm going to get on the train. So uh, we see 12, 13 views, 14 views, 15 views. I've had 40 views on a, on a full-length sermon, 50 views one time, I think. Um, I think uh, Pastor Tyler had like 60-something views on one of his, and well, I got a little jealous, but I got over it. And then, <laughs> so now he's making these little short videos, and we're posting them on Facebook. I got almost, what, over 2,000 views on one of those things. I was like, woo. So you say that to the young people, the young people in the room can say, that's not a lot of views. <laughs> right? Who cares about 2,000 views? I do. I care about the 2,000 views, right? So then you get different kinds of people that come on and watch these things, which is what we want to do. You guys are here. You hear the sermon. Some people are not here, and they, they watch it later once they edit it and put it on, on YouTube, and, and they watch it then. So... But there's different people watching, so they put these comments, and everyone has an opinion. And you never get a good comment. Now everybody's going to go and put a good comment on one of my videos. Now, never get it. One of them was, do you believe in unicorns? <laughs> do you? No. <laughs> I didn't answer. What do you say to that? Another one was, Oh, can you believe in 30 seconds that somebody could talk about the greatness of God in 30 seconds? And he just went on and on and on and criticized the video. He watched 30 seconds of it. Watch, watch the 45-minute the sermon. And then if you still decide that I'm you know, not giving it the way it should be, then give your comment then. But don't give it on a, you know. But I know the first thing I want to do is respond because I had a good response, scriptural response, but I didn't do it. And then there was another one. I forgot what it was. Uh, but they were all negative. They were all. Oh, yeah, there's the, uh, that, that uh, some criticizing what we were teaching like we were the only religion that ever existed. But because there's so many other ones. But, they're, you know, profess to be wise and become fools. See, that's something that I would have wrote there, but I didn't want to get on that train. So, so how, <coughs> how you react determines is determined by your thought process, and your thought process is part of your soul. So we constantly want to say, we need to pray, we need to pray in the Spirit, we need to read our Word, we need to go to church, and yes, you need to do these things. Absolutely, you need to do those things for the sake of your spirit. But this is not what's going to change your soul. You have to target your soul, which is your mind, right? And you do that the same way, by going to the Word and renewing your mind. See, Proverbs uh, 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about that. When, when you're in that moment and you're thinking about yourself or your situation or, or whatever you're going through or something that somebody said to you or you got into an argument with your spouse and they said something in the heat of the moment and you take that one little phrase and you, you meditate on that for so long, you become that. Even if it's not true. For what you, right? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you're focusing on is what you're going to become. Ooh. Where our mind goes, the man follows. 
You need to control your mind. Ice cream. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> right? Pizza. I got two ribeyes sitting at home marinating that I'm going to put on the, on the. No ribeyes? Arroz con pollo. My wife made arroz con pollo. Okay, well, see, I, so we got those going on. Everybody gets excited. Here we go. Red Robin. I, just, I took you there with just two words, right? I, I, t I preached a message one time, and they, call, they ended up calling it the Red Robin message. And uh, it was funny because we were at Rock Church, and then afterwards there was a Red Robin there not too far away, and we went to Red Robin, and half the church was there. It's like just by mentioning it, right? How do you get off the crazy train? How do you win the battle going on in your mind? Because there's a constant battle going on here. So there's three ways to get off the crazy train. Number one, remove toxic thinking. And I'm trying to use modern words that we use nowadays. Toxic. How about trigger? Right? That's a, that's a very popular word. You know, what you have in your mind if you keep something in your mind, it allows that trigger to have an effect on you. Right. A trigger is something that is used on a gun, right? You pull the trigger and boom, the gun goes off. That's why it says you have a trigger, and if they pull the trigger, the gun goes off. But if you keep the gun unloaded, if you don't keep that junk in your mind, they can pull the trigger all they want. Nothing's going to happen. We need to learn how to remove this toxic thinking. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 in the New International Version. It says, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight were not, were, with, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. <laughs> we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive. Quit asking God to run your mind. God gave you the power to run your own mind. And what we do is we just, we, oh, we go along and let the wind blow us wherever it goes because, you know, God's not doing anything. No, you are responsible for your mind. It's part of your soul. And you renew it. But you have to take captive every thought. That word take captive is to imprison and throw away the key. It doesn't mean that I control it for now and then later on I let it, let that same thought, I let it loose. It means that once you've taken that thought captive, you never go back to it. And if you feel like it's starting to try and get out of its captivity, you got to make sure it doesn't. You have to fight it off. It's up to you. We want to put everything on God. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times we put, oh, the devil, the devil's got, the devil's running me down. Oh, the devil. Yes, the devil and his demons, and there's a spiritual realm out there, and there are moments and times where he does. But a lot of times he just leaves us alone because we bury ourselves. Because we, we want to blame. He gets, he gets credit for stuff he's never even done. Not that he doesn't exist. I'm saying this, there are moments and times. That's why we have to build up our spirit in order to know how to manage our soul. Hmm. 
Remove the toxic thinking. Take captive every thought. Toxic thinking are thoughts that are not in line with God's word. How do you know if it's in line with God's word if you don't have God's word? And where does God's word start? It starts in the, in the mind. But how does the God's word become rhema? It moves to the heart, right? It moves to your spirit. What is the passageway from the time that you hear the word to it becoming rhema in your heart? It's through your soul because it's part of your mind. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the passageway, the road on its way to your heart is full of potholes or it's non-existent or it's broken or there's something laying across it and you're not able to continue to move. So the word gets to hear and the, the parable of the sower shows us that some of that falls on ground and sprouts up for a moment and then it dies. But some of it falls on good ground. And when seed falls on good ground, it takes time. Seed time harvest right it takes time for that seed to give its fruit what is that time happening it's happening because your soul has taken in a word that is against every reality and everything that's happening around you in the world as we said earlier it's different from everything because it's spiritual and the only way that you're going to believe it is if it becomes part of who you are and the only way that it becomes part of who you are is if your soul and your mind and your in the way that you think is right so sometimes we, what we want to do is we want to go into everything spiritually and we don't understand that we got to fix some things mentally. It's all, but it's all through the same thing. It's all through the Word. But we have to fix some things up here so that that passageway, when it goes through our mind, it lands in our hearts and it becomes rhema word alive inside of us. How do we remove? we got to remove that toxic thinking. See, maybe we have anxious thoughts or negative thoughts, lustful thoughts. Can I control the thought that pops up? But you can't control what you do with that. See, temptation is not a sin. You can be tempted and not sin. For Jesus was tempted in every way, and he never sinned. You can be tempted, and where does that happen? In your mind, in your soul. But if that's right, and you have a, a scriptural response to that temptation, for when Jesus was tempted, he answered with, it, it is, is written. And where did that come from? From the Word. He was the Word, right? Made flesh and going uh, amongst us. Remove toxic thinking. It's your choice. So let's cover a couple of these, uh, uh, these toxic thoughts. Thinking the worst of others. We don't do that here, right? Can I, I can probably skip that one, but for the sake of knowledge, we'll go ahead and cover it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, love being in full, of full accord and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves it doesn't say which others it just says others let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others having this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus how is my wife and i able to respond to negative attacking comments that come in through text in a way of oh this person's hurt and i obviously hurt them somehow 
whether intentionally or not, I want to fix that. We didn't always react that way. We're not holier than thou. We began to think of others better than us. We, want, we began to be concerned for others more than... Because what happens if we respond to that with another attack? You're on that train, and it's going 100 miles an hour. You're not going to get it to stop, because it's just going to be back and forth. Now, they may not want to talk to you face-to-face. -face. They may not want to talk to you on the phone. But man, if you responded by text, they'll keep going for an hour. They'll tell you, oh, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm too busy right now, I can't do this. Then why are you texting? It takes longer to text. I'm too busy, but then you text back, and then they text back, and then before you know it, an hour goes by, so I thought you were too busy. I think of these things. I'm not perfect, I think of these things. But our response is always going to be our concern for you, and it's always going to be an entreat, never a defend. I remember uh, Papa Hagen during Y2K and, and during some other things that happened there in Tulsa with uh, 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 a couple of the pastors of mega churches and things that were happening. And they would ask, you know, because he was a prophet, so they would ask him, what do you think? He says, I don't have anything to say about that. I'm, I'm here to teach faith and preach the word. I'm not here to give my opinion. Because if he, if he says something about it, somebody could twist it and take it and say, Right? But his heart, and, and, and I remember one time he, he uh, responded in a way that I took, and now I use it all the time. When, when a pastor or a preacher, somebody falls, and somebody comes out, what do you think? And they end up on the news. You do something good. You help your community. You feed thousands of people. Nobody knows. Right? You go to the beach, and you look at somebody sideways, and it's on the news. Right? Because they want the negative. That's how they get you. So these, these guys end up on the news. They do something, they fall, they, they, they took their temptation and fell into sin. I'm not, I'm not okaying any of that because they were responsible for sheep that now they have hurt. Right. Somebody needs to get up and help those sheep now because right. they're scattered. Right. Strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep is what it says, right? Yeah. So, but my, when they asked me about the shepherd and they asked me about the pastor, what do you think? I pray for my brother in Christ for he has fallen and now... He fell into a dark place, and he needs restoration, and he needs somebody to gather around him and love on him and help him. Now, should he be put back in the position? That's not my decision. If it was, I would say, not right now, right? Sometimes they put him right up there, and they make the mistake. Man, I know I'm being recorded, but uh, he has said this himself. I don't even know who Jimmy Swaggart is, right? Right? He fell once. Not very long after that he was back in the pulpit and he fell again he fell i think it was three total times now he's got a church uh, uh, uh and he preaches the, they call him the lamenting preacher because he tends to cry a lot when he's preaching and uh and he was right up there with with uh, uh billy graham when the gospel was being preached people were getting saved by the i mean by there were revivals happening because of swaggered and and graham but i, I you know my opinion I shouldn't give it, right? But I think it was just too fast. And he said it himself. He says, it was too quick. I wasn't restored completely. And I love his response. He says, it was the anointing like the oil on Aaron's head that went from his head down to his... And he goes, it, don't, it stopped at my waist. Think about that for a minute. I mean, that's, that's, if you understand your, your word, that's pretty powerful. He said, I never let the anointing go beyond my waist. It's supposed to go all the way down to the end of your ground. Yeah. 
He says, I only let the anointing go to here. I was a good preacher. I spoke well. I looked good from here up. But from here down, there was no anointing. And that was why he kept falling. This was his out of his own mouth. But you can get on that crazy train and do what? And talk bad about these people and talk bad about these people. But you know what? I think of others better than I think of myself. So we want to make that right. And listen, that doesn't only help the person who has fallen. It helps you. Because you can take somebody's, oh, I looked up to that person and they fell, so I'm going to go back to drinking. I looked up to that person and they mistreated their wife in front of me. I'm going to divorce mine. Right? I, I looked up to that person and this happened. And then you put all your trust. Don't put your trust in man. Put your trust in God. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Man will. And when he does, you're expected to respond you respond to be in love and to pray for that person. So quit thinking the worst of others. That was uh, the first one. Yeah. And, what, and then you have the what if thoughts. How do you remove this toxic thinking? The what if thoughts. Faithless thoughts. What if I'm going to be alone the rest of my life? What if this pain is something serious? WebMD. What if I lose my job? What if he or she doesn't like me? What if? What if? What if? The what if thoughts will drag you down. How about what you think of yourselves? This is a big one. You know, we're going to talk about forgiveness next week. I think the one person that we need to forgive the most is ourselves. We are hardest on ourselves than we are on anybody else. How you look, your personality, your lack of education. That's a big one. Oh, I'm not educated. I think God's concerned for these things. Replace these thoughts with what God thinks of you. You're a masterpiece created in his image. So you may need to remove the things in your life that are fueling this, this toxic thinking. The news. Come on, over the last couple of years, you know, when we lived in Tulsa, we had these horns in the, our street, and when a, a tornado would come, the horn would go off. How many of you ever lived in a place with the, the siren? Right? Would go, and oh, everybody go to the bathroom. Two minutes later, it was over. So there was a form of anxiety. There was a form of fear for just a moment. You get into the safe place. The horn turned off two or three minutes later. It's over. A hurricane's coming? Five days at least. Showing images of houses being Totally demolished. Roofs being pulled off and floods and cars and people dying. And they're telling you all the statistics of all these past hurricanes of how many people did this. And, and you sit there and you watch it and you watch it and you watch it and you watch it. I watch enough to be informed so that I know what to prepare for. Period. I don't need to know any more than that. Do I need to board up? I'll board up. And that's it. I need to buy batteries. Excuse me, I need lights, I need whatever, some water. Where we live, the electricity is going to go out. It's guaranteed. We were out on Thursday. The first wind blew, the sun was still out. The wind blew, our electricity went out. It's terrible. Duke, if you're watching, you get to get that fixed, man. Amen. I wish we had FPNL. No. <laughs> now now my, I'm going to get home, my electricity is going to be off. No, we're not live streaming. It'll be next week before they shut it off. <laughs> what you think of yourself, the news, get off the news. It makes you think things of yourself. Social media, 
A lot of us, the way we dress, the way we act, what we say, what we do, where we go, what we post, the pictures we take, all that stuff is, is determined by social media. Who cares? I'm going to keep going. Your friends, those that encourage you to stay on the crazy train. Right? You go to somebody with a problem, and what do they do? They feed the problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a real. No, you should. Ah, that guy. I can't believe he did. You should leave. You should take it. Take everything. You should leave him, and you should. Oh, yeah. And they, and they encourage this kind of. And then they, they feed your, your anger, and they feed your fear. Listen, get rid. Oh, your ego. They feed your ego. Who said that? They feed your ego, right? Oh, I don't need that. Right? Come on, guys. We don't need anybody feeding our ego and getting us to a place where we think we're better than we actually are without God. I know who I am in God. And it's only because of God that I am who I am. Everything else is just your ego. Get rid of those friends. Number two, replace lies with the truth. It's one of my favorites. In Philippians chapter 4, we see Paul. He's writing from the prison. Yeah. This guy, listen, I've been, I've been in, in, in a, a regular prison. I've been in federal prison to fix copiers. I had you guys, right? I had you guys. You guys are all going. And some of the visitors are going, I'm never coming back to this church, right? I've never been in prison because I, des- I was there because I used to work for Xerox, and I, I was the only one that could pass the FBI background test in our group of people. That says a lot about the people that were there, and it says a lot about their background check because they let me in there. But uh, um, I just never got caught. But I've been in federal prison. We used to have a federal prison right down the street from our home in Miami, and uh, I used to fix their copiers in there. And I've been in a, a lot of, um, of these places and they're nothing like where Paul was. Can we be honest? He didn't have a toilet, a stainless steel toilet in his cell. I'll leave that right there where that's at. And they didn't just put him in a cell. They would chain them to the wall. Big, thick chains like this heavy. That just lifting your arm with the chain on it would be, right? Dark smelly, nasty place. And here's this man sitting in a cell in prison writing to the Philippians. And we'll, we'll read chapter 4 and we'll go back to the beginning of Philippians in a minute. But it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such things. See, the the saying is powerful in itself. The fact that he's sitting in prison, he could have wrote something completely different, and we all would have said, I get it. That's probably a deserving response to where he's at. But he's telling them, look, even here, because he's not just giving them advice. He's saying, even here. Brothers and sisters, I think about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. He had a perspective that we need to have. Imagine how many lies Paul had to replace with truth to be able to write these things from a prison. Hmm. 
Dwell on what God says and not the lies that the enemy is feeding you. And he's constantly trying. How does, how does the enemy, we, we talked earlier about the devil not being involved in everything, but when he is involved, how does he get in? Through your soul, through your mind. Your spirit belongs to God. <laughs> he already tried to take that place and he was flicked out of heaven like a booger. He got halfway through his saying, I'm going to look. He was down here. He couldn't, even, he couldn't even exhort himself in front of God or try to make himself look better before God said, you're gone. You're out of here. Like lightning fell out of the sky, it says. Boom, he was gone. So he has no, your spirit realm between you and God, he has no effect there. Nothing. Well, how come I'm always being me? Because of your soul, because of your mind. Get him out of there. Have a response to the lies. And how does he get in there? Lying. How do you know the devil's lying? His lips are moving. Right? He's always lying. He doesn't have no truth in him, the word says. Always lying. Got to be dwell on the good qualities or the quality of your spouse. Dwell on the goodness of having a jalopy that takes you from point A to point B instead of complaining about it not having any air conditioning, right? Thank God and be grateful for the things that you have. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people. But here's some lies. You can't do it. I can't do it. But the Word says I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. I wear this bracelet, and many of us here wear them, and uh, I don't know how many we got back there, but you're welcome to them uh, after the service in the Connection Center. It says, I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. Amen. My dad, who has ALS, and, and my stepmom, who's uh, taking care of him, they both wear the bracelet. Cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. We have to be reminded of these, of these things. I can do it. I can do it. I'm ugly. Come on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I have, let, let me give a little explanation here. I didn't want to put makeup on this morning, but I have these marks on my face. How many of you noticed that I had some marks on my face? I'm having something treated, so it just changes color, and it, it, it'll come off, and I'm going to look like I was 15 years old again. So I'm looking forward to that. But I, I, I didn't care what you, I told her that when the, when the dermatologist was, was treating it, I said, well, it's, it's going to get a little dark and a little, uh, you know, protruding a little bit, but it'll, it'll peel off and then you're going to look great and everything. I was like, but I'm a YouTube sensation. How, what am I going to do now? You know? <laughs> so I told her, and there was a young nurse girl there, and I was like, I get like 2,000 views on my last video. And the girl goes, <laughs> I was all excited for nothing. Listen, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Great are your works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I te when I, we need to have another men's retreat. We had a, a men's retreat not too long ago, and I was, I was speaking on this, and I told the men something that I used to do uh, a long time ago. I used to stand in front of the mirror and go, man, you're good looking. Don't you ever change. <laughs> you start to believe it because it's true. Yes. I'm not ugly. I am weak. It's not a too bad place to be because when I am weak, 
He is strong, and his strength goes beyond any natural strength, right? I'm a failure. We've all failed at something. 50%, plus more than 50% of people in church today are divorced. And they leave that relationship and go into the next one, and they say 82% of those don't work. Why? Because they leave the first one thinking that they failed. And they go into the second one expecting it to fail. And what do you get? What you expect, right? I am a failure. No, I am more than a conqueror. I am more, more not just, I don't just win. I more than win, right? He is a God of grand finales. I love that. I've taught that before with Elijah, you know, when uh, uh you know, he caused it not to rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed the seven times, and it rained, right? That's, that was all God. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and then it rained. That's a big time. That guy was controlling weather. Right. What a miracle. But God wasn't done. Then it starts to rain. There's mud everywhere, right? And he runs past the key. The guy's on a chariot, and he runs past him and says, hey, you better get going. Faster than a horse on a chariot. He couldn't humanly do that. I am poor. The poorest person in the United States is richer than 88% of the rest of the world. The rich people that we call millionaires and billionaires, they're calling the one percenters because there's not that many of them. But we tend to see them a lot. Why? Because they got money. And people tend to praise that, don't they? I tell my wife, I said, you know, we've, we've had friends and people in our lives where they, they, they were okay, they had okay money, and then they have a lot of money. And then you see how they transform into somebody else and said, man, if that's what I'm going to turn into to have money, I don't want any money. <laughs> I just want enough to take care of what I need to, you know, and have enough to, to be able to do nice things. And we're blessed. We're extremely blessed. I, I can stand here before you and say, I'm rich. Yeah. Now, you look at my bank account, you may say, I, I, why is he saying that? <laughs> right? Because it's not all about money to be happy. We've had it, and we've been without, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where that scripture comes from, you know. Paul, we love the scripture, but Paul says, I have had none. I've had nothing. I've had need or lack in my life, and I've had plenty. And then then he, he says, I can do all things. What is he talking about? About being poor and being rich. That's what he's talking about. I can do it all. I can do it all. See, the more you do this, the easier it gets. But to do this, you have to have the word inside of you. You have to be able to respond with it is written. The more you guys get on the right train, the easier it will will be to catch it the next time and stay on it. Number three, keep an eternal perspective. What does my life look like from heaven? What is everything that I'm going through right now, what does that look like to God from heaven? See, Paul had an eternal perspective when he wrote Philippians 4 from that jail cell. In Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Still in his prison cell. Rejoice, I say, rejoice. This guy had a a heavenly perspective. See, joy is a choice. It is easier to choose joy from an eternal perspective. (laughs) Philippians 1, 
Uh, last scripture, verses 12 through 14, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What a perspective. Because I'm here, all the palace guards, every time they change a guard, I got a new person. I tell them about Jesus. I got a new person I preach the gospel to. The palace guards all know that I'm here because of Christ. He had the opportunity to preach the gospel. And then he says, you know what? Because of the way that I'm handling my situation, those outside of here. Can you imagine? Paul's in there. He's preaching the gospel. The palace guards are getting saved. I'm out here. I'm free. I'm not in that nasty prison. And I'm going to complain about preaching the gospel and getting persecuted for it? You can't do that. Because of Paul's perspective, his perspective changed the perspective of those others that were outside of prison preaching the gospel because he was in prison. We can tell stories of the martyrs all over the world that is happening today. We think, oh, this doesn't happen. Yes, it does. It happens all the time. There's a revival happening in Iran right now. And, and having, owning a Bible there, you get beat up in the street and if you own more than one or they catch you more than once they kill you for owning a bible the ones that we have all over the place i got shelves of them back there i collect them in the lost and if you lost your bible please go get it out of the lost and found i think we see a bible in there for like three weeks i'm thinking how does this person even you know i guess nowadays with phones and stuff it's a little different but man i'd be lost without my sword this is, I've owned this same Bible for over 30 years. <laughs> you know, I'd be lost without it. I've been trying to find a place that our you know, family bookstore closed down now. It's a little more difficult to have it rebound. But what do you, I mean, your eternal perspective has to change in order for your soul to begin to react to things in a proper way. Right? It is written. My mind and my soul and my emotions emotions how many of you know that's what the world teaches if it feels good do it Ooh, that's trouble I'm not led by my emotions I'm led by the spirit of God and the only way that I can be led by the spirit of God is if I put my emotions down and how do I do that it's up to me to keep my thoughts captive it's up to me to control my soul. And you do have, the thing is that the world has allowed us to just let it all go. And, oh, this is just who you are. And we do nothing to control it. We do nothing to, to, to turn, to get off that train, to get on the other one. We just stay on it. Well, this is, I guess, this is who I am. You know, when I was, when the Lord spoke to me about getting into ministry, I was like Moses. I argued. I was... <laughs> one of the most sarcastic people you ever met because I thought it was the funniest thing. You know how many people I offended? A lot of people. 
Still to today, sometimes I'll tell a little joke or I'll say something and I realize, man, I shouldn't have said that. I need to continue to work on that because I don't want to offend people. Right? And I told God, I said, you know, this is who I am. This is not going to, I don't think this is going to, you know, I'm telling God that it's not, he, he chose me and I, and I told him it's not going to work. <laughs> but what happened? The word, the word, the word. I, my life changed the most when I was at Rama Bible Training Center in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Broken Arrow. Those, those two and a half years I was there changed who I was completely. Who I was before I went there, the husband that I was, the father that I was, was just not, not up to par for sure. And I kind of just dealt it all up as, oh, this is my personality, this is who I am. You know, you just have to put up with me. And, you know, it was like a tornado went through and hurt people. And, oh, that's too bad, that's just who I am, just get over it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a good attitude to have, especially for a minister, for a preacher or a pastor. <laughs> right? It's the last thing we do. We were talking about this the other day. I said, I don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, let's see who I can offend today. No. It's the last thing we want to do. Yet, we go throughout the day. But you know what? God has been working and changing my soul. Right? And changing my thought process and getting me off of that crazy train. And there's a, there's a remedy. There's several, but uh, you know, stay in the word. It is written as we spoke today. Uh, but sometimes we just, our soul is damaged. And it's hurt. And it's wounded. And the only remedy for those things is forgiveness. Forgiveness of yourself and forgiveness of those who have hurt you. The way we reacted to the hurt that's in our lives over the last whatever, however old you are, right? It's, who, it's how we became who we are today. And some of us aren't very happy with who we are. The remedy is next week, right? You know, if, if God came, if your doctor said, take this pill, you know, twice a day for seven days and you'll get better, you just, you don't even know what's in that pill. You just take it, Right? Because it's a prescription and he's a doctor. Well, I have a prescription. What has been written before. That's what prescription means written before. Yeah. Written before. What has been written? The word. The word of God. Take the word of God three times a day, every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. We don't do that. You know why? Because it takes time. It takes effort. And you don't see the result immediately. We're, we're one of those that we want everything to happen right now. You know, sin gives you satisfaction immediately. Obeying God, you don't see the result of that. It takes a little time. How many of you know that? Right? You start to obey God, and then a week goes by, two weeks go by. Oh, my, my wife is still the same, and my husband, I changed. And, blah, 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 blah. I mean, and it's like, man, you've been coming to church for two weeks, and, you know, you hardly pray, and you read your Bible once in a blue moon. And you think, there's no formula here. Go to church, read your Bible pray and everything will be fine no everything stays poopy right sometimes it gets worse but how you handle it that determines where you end up right how you handle the situations because the situations don't go away but they either they define you 
Whether you, you're going to be that or you're going to be something else. How do I make that decision? By obeying the word, renewing your mind by the word, taking every thought captive. We need to work on our souls. How many, if you get anything else today, get that. We need to work on our souls. Take control over your soul. You can, because the word says you can. God, God wouldn't say it if he didn't think you could. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.